0: hi everyone and welcome to the spencer lodge podcast in partnership with our awesome sponsors najahi events go check them out more about them later please do check them out though on today's episode of the podcast i'm going to bring to you an interview with somebody who's got a story that i think you want to hear a lot of the time you'll see me interviewing famous people like tony robbins les brown or dr john Martini, and so on well, these are entrepreneurs that have worked out the science behind success But also, as you've said on recent episodes, grabbing hold of the stories of people that have been through unimaginable experiences and yet still come out with a smile on their face, being positive and looking at the upside of their life and considering themselves grateful and lucky for the place they're in. On today's episode, we've got a guest by the name of Brandon Farbstein. Now, let me tell you a bit about him. I've got it all written down in front of me, so listen to this at 21 years old he's a global uh, empowerment speaker who imp- at 21 years old is a global empowerment speaker who inspires millions with his mission to elevate empathy it's a big word nowadays you know and i think it's not really respected as much as it should be Diagnosed with a rare form of dwarfism and standing at only three foot nine, that's 1.143 meters, so as tiny as you can imagine, Brandon has transformed his suffering and isolation into empowerment and impact. Whether sharing his universal message with youth, transforming perspectives with his book, 10 Feet Tall, or partnering with companies like Facebook, HP, Marriott, etc., Brandon delivers tools to audiences of all ages to shatter limiting beliefs and elevate their mindset. I love people like this, don't you? Brandon continues to break barriers and pave the way for people who often feel invisible. He recently made his runway debut in the New York Fashion Week wearing Tommy Hilfiger Adaptive and has become a sought-after voice for inclusion all around the world. And gosh, we need those voices. Being three foot nine in a world that towers over you is anything but easy. You know, 18-year-old Brandon has conquered life's uncertainty and has already impacted millions around the globe to do the same as a professional TEDx speaker. In his first book, 10 Feet Tall, Brandon shares how he was able to step into his truth and leave his mark on the world, and how you can too. You shouldn't just be existing, you should be living on your own terms with a mentality elevating you to feel 10 feet tall. This empowering book will help you shift your mindset to use your adversities as catalysts to propel you forward. I really want to talk to Brandon. Come on, cue the music. Let's get into this one, guys. Branaghs, thank you so much for taking time to come and join us on the show today. Without a doubt, okay, interesting times for all. And considering you're in the States, you know what? The rest of the Middle East is going to want to ask you some questions about what's going on with your president. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on, Spencer. I'm really excited for this conversation. Good stuff. Well, look, um, For the people that don't know you, give us your elevator pitch. Totally. So what you can't either tell on camera if you're watching
1: or hear if you're listening to the podcast, I am three foot nine, thanks to a rare form of dwarfism that I was diagnosed with when I was two. And fun fact, there are over 400 different forms of dwarfism. I have one of the rarest. There are only 84 confirmed cases of my specific condition in all of medical literature, which if you think about the billions of people that are in the medical books and to be one of less than a hundred people in history to have this condition, it comes with a life of uncertainty to say the least, and not knowing what the next phase or really any outlook of my life is going to be. So that used to be very overwhelming. And I resented every part of what made me different and what made me stand out And so much so that when I was 11 years old, I got home from school one day and there was nothing really that happened that day specifically that triggered me or made me upset, but I just had the feeling of devastation. And I said to my mom, as I walked in the door, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here. I don't want to live this life. I don't want to be in this pain every day and I'm going to kill myself. And I went upstairs to my room and I slammed the door and my mom was only 30 to 60 seconds behind me, following me, of course. Um, and I was moments away from wrapping a belt around my neck and going through with it because I, I literally saw no other way of being in my skin or, or living with the adversity and what felt like the world stacked against me and and always that pressure and, and the negativity and feeling rejected just was so crushing. And thank God she was the one that physically stopped me and wrapped me in her arms. And we cried for a good 15 minutes and just sat there. And from that point on, I was able to find professional help. I started going to counseling and it took me about five or six different therapists to find somebody who I finally was comfortable enough to feel seen and heard by, but also understood by as well, which was huge. And slowly but surely, I started realizing that I wasn't alone. And I wasn't the only one who was going through something, even though my difference was hyper visible, I couldn't try and hide it like somebody who was feeling anxious or depressed may be able to put on a plastic face for a little bit to, to fool people, but I couldn't do that. There was no way of blending in. And so I felt completely invisible for the first 15 years of my life, even though I was the center of attention wherever I went, because when you're three foot nine, how can you not be? And so I, whether it's getting pointed to, stared at, having groups of people laugh at you, uh, it's a daily occurrence for me. And I felt invisible until I had the opportunity to share my story for the very first time, which happened to be on the TEDx stage. It was in front of about 2000 people. And for the very first time, I was authentic, I was real, and I shared my story. And it was literally in that moment that I found my purpose and I found my, my reason for living. And that mission is what I've been on six years later. And I really believe that I was put here with the challenges, with all of the, the things that make me who I am, that have put me where I am to be able to use that for a higher purpose and, and have people see themselves in me. You may not be able to relate to being three foot nine, but I damn guarantee feeling alone, feeling worthless, feeling like you're not enough. These are universal human emotions that we all experience at times. And the more that we could be real and open about it, I think the more that we are able to make a profound impact on the people around us. And that's exactly what I've been able to do. Uh, So, so blessed and grateful to reach now tens of millions of people all around the world in this journey that I've been on and partner with companies like Facebook and Amazon and Hewlett Packard. And really I'm trying to disrupt as many things as I can, obviously in a positive way, but I'm checking a lot of boxes. I'm Gen Z being 21 years old. So a lot of people still have a negative connotation of young people that were unmotivated or were not capable of making change or whatever it is. Number two, I obviously am in the disability community. So even more so than being overlooked for being young, I'm a lot of times not even looked to as a human being. People don't make eye contact with me or they whip out their phone to take a video of me passing by instead of just smiling or saying hi. Um and so it's it's really about, I think, being able to show people through my own lens that, yes, you could have these differences, you could have challenges, whether it's a disability or a broken home or whatever it is that you've been through that we all have that can be considered traumatic or life jol- joltering or whatever. We have to be able to use those things to become the greatest version of ourselves and not be defined or confined by life's circumstances that we really can't control. Did, did
0: religion play a part in your life?
1: Not really. Um, I've never been much of a religious person, but on the contrary to that, I have a very strong faith, faith in just God in general, I would say, but also faith in the universe, faith in that things have a higher purpose, a higher power, and that everything is connected in some way. And I'm not saying that to to share that I have like a naive outlook or saying that, oh, everything that we go through is going to bring us to a better place and, and whatnot. I, I truly acknowledge that there are some things that we go through we as human beings that can truly be paralyzing and and bring us to our knees and maybe not be able to recover from but if we have the ability to say you know what i'm still here i've been able to get through every obstacle every adversity that's gotten in my way i don't think that's a mistake and if we all recognize that power that we each have on a daily basis, not only for our own sake, for our own lives, but to be of service and to be a light for the people around us. Even with the the social distancing and not being able to be in large groups and things like that with COVID right now, there's still so many ways that we could be reaching out to our loved ones or even people that we want to connect with further and say, hey, I just wanted to check on you. Something that simple can be so meaningful. And I've, I've really been about that the last few months, especially.
0: The, re- the reason I asked that question is that I remember when I was talking to Nick Vujicic, who you and I spoke about before we filmed, started filming. And Nick said to me, he, he grew up in, in a religious family, but he ended up hating God for a period of time because it, he, he kept asking himself the question, why me? Now, obviously, he has a very strong connection with God now, but he went for a period of a few years of like, why me? Did did you go through a period of asking yourself that question? Why me? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. When I was in that period around 11 years old that I mentioned at the beginning, I not only hated and was was so resentful of who I was, but also my parents for making me, for... Uh, I was angry at God for putting me in this body. And, and absolutely, I could relate to what Nick said. Why me? Why do I have to be the person that has to have all of these burdens when it seems like all these other people are just kind of smoothing along and, and not having to deal with uh, what is daily occurrences for people like me? And so I feel like if you are able to reframe it, And instead of making yourself the victim of whatever that is, a disability or where you came from or whatever it is, choosing to rise above it and say, you know what, yes, I went through it and it was really painful and it, but I'm still... And I have the choice to either be the victim of that and be confined by it and and really held back for the rest of my life. Or I could be the victor and say, how can I use this experience to maybe grow a little bit, to learn a little bit more about who I am and, and what the world is all about? There is never a human being that has evolved to the point of being like, no, no more. And so we're always a work in progress. There's always things that we can do to make ourselves better, to show up as better parents or leaders or friends or whoever it is that that we're expected to be showing up as. And yes, that could be overwhelming, but I would also frame it in a way that you don't have to change everything for everything to change in your life. It could be starting off so small with something like practicing gratitude. I know when uh, I was chatting with Nick a few weeks ago, gratitude is one of the most powerful practices that we could put into play. Because when we are in a place of feeling grateful, we're not making those comparisons. Why do I look like this? And that guy on Instagram has a perfect body. Or why am I always getting stared at when anybody else can go to the grocery store and wear whatever they want and not have to worry about who looks at them or whatever and that sort of thing. But I was so sick of letting myself have those thoughts. They, they almost drowned me. And so it was truly through personal development that I was able to recognize that i had the power to choose what thoughts were coming in my head doesn't mean that i i'm not going to be affected by the negative things and and things that are hurtful because i'm a human being just like every other person and we can't try and act like we're immune to that but we can say you know what i don't want to be the victim of this and what can i do to maybe help somebody else who's going through something similar and share my story. And even if it helps one person that day, I think that's a success.
0: We, When you look at people like, I don't know what the name of the guy is, but he's got dwarfism. He's from the Game of Thrones. And oh, Peter Dinklage. That's the guy. Okay. When you look at him and then you take somebody, there's a supermodel I know that's got Vitaligo where she has got uh, white and, and brown skin and she obviously has grown up with those challenges he's grown up but it's almost like they become poster boys for their particular um um um, niche let's call it that and i think they do two things in my opinion number one they almost normalize the fact that they're different okay and it's it becomes normal and total and, and not totally acceptable, that's a bit extreme, but way more acceptable. But I think they become the, like you're doing, they become almost the voice of their community. And so they have the ability then to indirectly, because I'm sure they're not doing it uh, on purpose, but they indirectly inspire others to, to say, look, yes, this is what the cards I've been dealt. This is what I deal with, okay, yes. However, if it's not gonna stop me it shouldn't stop you. And if I can be an example to you, then guess what? If I can do it, you can do it. Because of that, and okay, as you expressed earlier, yours is a very rare form. Do you, do you get lots of communication or regular communication from people within that community that are like, I'm so grateful that you get up and do this. I'm gro- so grateful that you tell your story. I'm so grateful because you inspire me to be braver and bolder than maybe I was before. Yeah, and and let me tell you, Spencer, those messages and those reach outs are some of the most
1: meaningful and, and touching that I've ever gotten. So even though we're such a small community within a community, uh, obviously being less than 100 people, that form and a lot of them being children. So there was, I think, maybe 10 years ago. Through the orthopedic specialist that I see who specializes in my specific condition, he said there was a Facebook group of the patients and families with metatropic dysplasia, which is the name of my condition, and uh, invited me and my family to join the Facebook group. And this was the first time that I think we knew anybody else kind of existed with my condition like yeah doctors could say there are this many people that have been reported with it but to to humanize it to see another person uh who not only was was dealing with things similar to me but honestly what that did for me was see how i don't know how else to put it how good i have it with how I was born because my specific condition can be fatal in a lot of cases for children that are born with it. They, they often end up passing away before the age of five. And so I obviously I'm 21 and the only effects that it's had on me, uh, has been my bone growth and my height. And so all things considered, that's really not that bad. And I have it, uh, I'm very grateful, I'm very blessed. And and that's what, that was the biggest perspective shift. I think like even after I started getting past the point of why me and why am I different and all of those things, I saw that, yes, even though I deal with these things, holy moly, these people have like tracheas. They can't breathe on their own or they can't move around, they can't speak any of these things that I take for granted on a daily basis, that was a a huge shift for me. And so actually yesterday was Dwarfism Awareness Day, October 25th. And I felt so compelled to use the social media platform that I've built up to share that message and to just bring awareness to Obviously myself and my condition, but also all the other people that are living with it. I just learned actually yesterday that there are over 650,000 people all around the world that live with dwarfism. I thought it was maybe 50,000. So that kind of blew my mind, but also to be somebody now that I needed when I was younger to be considered a role model, a hero is everything. It's it's genuinely... most empowering feeling knowing that i'm i'm serving as an example i'm serving as as a catalyst for somebody to see themselves again in me though i'm not expecting you to to know what it's like to be in my shoes
0: it's funny you know it's almost like you you tell this story about how you got inspired by sharing your story with millions and that's one part but actually you have a duty you you literally have now a moral responsibility don't you now you've you've got into the space you've got into you 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 you, there's nothing you can do about it you've got a moral responsibility and duty now whilst you accept it and you know willingly not everybody does okay but it's like you you have to be the poster boy for what you do but you also have to be that voice you have to be that person that tries to drive changing maybe whichever area is specific to the needs of the people within your community. That that sense of loneliness that you felt when you were young, tell me how much of it you think was created in your own mind versus how much of it was created by um, other people. That's a great question. You know, looking back, I think, honestly,
1: a lot of it was my own mind further isolating myself because I thought I was so different and I didn't really fit into any group or, or any of the little like cliques in school, whether it was in middle school throughout those years or throughout high school, I never really had a friend group. And so I think it was a mixture of my own self-sabotage and, and thinking that, again, I was completely alone and nobody else would know what it's like to feel the feelings that I was dealing with. Or, um, I, I didn't even think anyone wanted to be my friend. I didn't, I felt very alone throughout that entire experience. I think because of that, but also because I didn't let people in when they tried and I was so closed off, uh, I'm speaking not, not to schoolmates, but other people that, that tried coming in, uh, extended family members or other friends. And I was uh, the PTSD and the anxiety and the fear of continuing to get hurt. I didn't want any of that. So the more that I experienced that bullying and the isolation, the more it kind of drew me into myself. And I think there are definitely pros and cons to both. In that period, I had so much self-discovery and it gave me incredible insights that I am still using to this day. But obviously on the flip side, it made me like really isolate myself beyond the societal norms of what I traditionally experienced.
0: Which, you know what? That's an emotion that anybody in any way, shape or form, can go through if not has gone through, and it's like well, what, what does it say? Misery loves company, and yeah, and it's like it's like you feel you you, you feel bad. You, you you create a story and you and you put that story on repeat, and it's almost like and I don't want to you know kind of generalize about this, but it's like that that you become a victim of your own scenario. And you almost wallow in that, and so you, you, your your biggest obstacle isn't necessarily a disability; it's your own mindset as to how you think about moving forward. And so it's really interesting that as you're explaining this, it's like there's there's so many people that are going to be watching and listening. To this they're going to be like, "Well, hold on a minute, okay, I don't have these, I don't have this disability, I don't have this challenge, but I felt like that myself. You know, I felt exactly like that." Tell me, tell me as you've moved on in your life, t- tell me day-to-day, okay, what are the biggest challenges you have day-to-day? And tell me about the kind of lessons that you learned, the, the new the new new experiences that you have. Maybe something that you thought, I can't do that, and then all of a sudden you could do it. You know, Nick was, Nick was telling me he was, he's learning to play golf. And so... <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, come on, man. You can't play. He goes, I'm really good with a putter. And I'm like... And so, and so it's like... He goes, but, you know, I, he, said, he said, it's not only nobody else thought he said, but the biggest problem was I, I thought I couldn't do it. I thought golf's would well, golf. That's, that's sort of clearly not a game for me. Um, and then he realized he wasn't bad at it actually. And he put some time into it. So yeah, tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the second part of your question first, because this just recently happened. I got an invitation to model on the runway at New York fashion week, uh, just a few weeks ago for Tommy Hill figure. So talk about something that i would literally never in my life envisioned anywhere close to me being associated with. And what's really incredible that I didn't know until this experience, Tommy Hill figure about five years ago, discovered how big of a population the disability community really is. So there's over 1 billion people across the globe that identify themselves as having a disability, whether it's visible or invisible. And a lot of times just to to also bring light about the daily challenges that people like me go through. um, I just want you to envision when you walk into a store or pre-COVID, when you walked into a store and you looked at the clothing rack to buy a new shirt to buy pants. You probably didn't put much thought into where you could be able to fit in that because you know that's your size and that's the size that you always go with. For me, not only do I have to shop in the boys department, so the selection is obviously incredibly different and limited than what somebody my age would normally wear. So that brings its own set of challenges, but also I have to get most every pair of pants and a lot of the nicer shirts that I wear custom uh, tailored so that they could fit my body, my limbs. And so with Tommy, he decided to create literally an entire adaptive clothing line for people with disabilities, ranging from if you're missing a limb, You're able to put on a shirt now with Velcro instead of buttons, or even with people that have leg braces, they make special pants that fit around the braces and are still like pants. They still look normal. And to have, I mean, literally it was like to have a pair of jeans that I could feel comfortable and normal in is so empowering it's like such a simple thing a piece of of just like a simple outfit but the the difference that it makes when you're able to feel like you are a human being and you can look your best is everything as as i know we could all relate to and so I got the invitation uh, a few weeks before this event, and obviously due to the current state of the world, we can't do in-person shows, so it was all done virtually. And I had a camera crew and we did all of these fun walks and I got to dance and it was all me improvising. So everybody saw the footage and they were like, how did you get so good at this? I'm like, I'm good at it? I didn't, (laughs) I was just making everything up. Um, But it was just so, one of those things that, yes you could never you never envisioned yourself but after the experience and even now i know i was meant to do that i know that like that had my name on it it was it was absolutely for me and that's why it happened that's why the universe brought it my way and i think being open to that too, because the only reason that came about is because things totally shifted with COVID, not being able to travel, not doing a million things every week and really honing in on what I'm doing virtually and how I'm spending my time and that sort of thing. And so this would never have happened if the cards weren't aligned and things weren't as they are. And so if Just like the moral of that story, and, and I think a le- the lesson, don't discount the silver lining in opportunities. Even if you can't see it right now, as you're going through something, think back to all of the things that you have got gone through, you have been able to successfully overcome, and think about who it shaped you into. That's what I'm talking about with the silver lining. It doesn't necessarily have to be these huge gifts and opportunities that are always coming our way, but the opportunity to become a better person, I think is one of the greatest gifts of them all. And so, yeah, that, that definitely was, was one of the, (laughs) it's just insane.
0: Um... It's nuts, man. It's nuts. You, you're a catwalk model. Shut the front door. (laughs) And, and that's also like a, a, pretty cool
1: thing to be able to flex on people with because something that I, I always used to get teased on and and bullied was my looks and people in, in high school would tell me I'm the ugliest person they've ever seen and I'm never going to find anyone who loves me and yada yada and now I mean obviously none of them are doing anything close to what I'm doing at 21 but number two it's like no that's none of that is true and I'm going to prove you wrong. Like I don't I don't need to to tell you. I'm just going to show you by the life that I live and the fact that people with disabilities can be beautiful too and can be included in freaking New York Fashion Week and be elevated to be given these opportunities and I think the more that we as a society can realize, yes, it's great to have diversity, but diversity and inclusion are two different things. If we can work towards inclusion, not just people who maybe look differently than you, but literally like people that come from a different background that you would never never normally talk to, those are some of the most powerful experiences and conversations that we can have. And so my question to all of you, and, and I guess my challenge, what are you not letting in by being closed off to certain people or not reaching out to those who may think differently or look differently or, or live a different life than you do. There's so much greatness to be had when we're inviting each other to have a seat at our table. And I'll just It's really that at interesting
0: that. you say that. It t- takes me back to thinking about what Facebook and a few of the other companies in Silicon Valley did a couple of years ago where they said, we're actively looking to recruit autistic people. Because they have skills that most normal, uh, normal people don't have, and uh, and we need those skills, and that just then you know it put a real positive highlight, you know, rather than be negative. Well, and other companies, I'm sure at the time went, oh well, maybe we need some more autistic people too. May, may, maybe they can help our company grow, and so that type of that type of approach and mindset, I think, really resonates. Tell me something. Who who's meaner, kids or grownups? Oh.
1: So I honestly feel like adults and here's why kids obviously can be so immensely cruel, but I feel like more often than not, it's coming from a place of curiosity. It's not coming from a place of, I want to hurt you. It may be, I don't know anything about you or I have all these misconceptions about you, specifically people with dwarfism, uh, just like you said before with Peter Dinklage, we're not often portrayed in, in average roles. It's usually like playing the the seven dwarves in Snow White or being an Oompa Loompa, or like these things that are obviously degrading in some way um, that don't show who we are as, as human beings. And so people have a definition or a context of us that isn't true at all. So. I feel like with kids, when they stare or they point or whatnot, they're just wanting to learn more. And that's where what we were talking about before the obligation and the sense of responsibility that I feel every time I'm out in public, and this is continuing to evolve. So I don't want to make it seem like I've completely mastered this. But every time I'm out in public, I feel such a strong responsibility when a kid is like very clearly staring at me and has never seen somebody like me before just smiling or waving as I pass by them on my segue. It's something that like, that's how I'm going to be remembered instead of being remembered as the guy who looked like an ass and didn't smile, uh, didn't wave, like wasn't friendly at all because I'm triggered by kids reactions of me. That's the old Brandon. And I used to literally not go out in public because I didn't want to be around kids. And it's kind of impossible to not be around children when you're out in public. Um, So that was a a very debilitating thing for me. But I feel like with adults, they more more so than not go out of their way when they're making certain comments or saying things that are clearly hate-filled or have harassment undertones You're not doing that because you're curious. You're not doing that because you want to know what that person's name is or whatever. So what it is though, I feel like a lot of parents are feeding the kids who are the bullies. And sometimes I've also seen parents who are not aware that their own behavior is modeling what their children are doing, even on social media and how they're treating others, how they're treating their peers. But I want to remind every single parent out there, obviously me not being a parent, but the perspective that I have, your actions every single day get seen more than you know, by your kids and your kids emulate everything. Even if you're trying to say, no, don't say that word. I did it because I was angry or whatever it is like, yes, we could make mistakes and we're human and all of that. But if you're going around on Facebook and constantly berating people because they think differently than you or you're whatever it is, and and you're not doing what you're telling your kid to do, you're not being that person. How do you expect your kid to not be a bully? how do you expect your kid to to radiate kindness and inclusivity if that's not how you're you're behaving at home and that's not who you are and so that's just an insanely important point but number 2 i think as i brought up social media what we all need to understand is the power that literally every single one of us has with it because one comment one post one message can literally be all that it takes for somebody to go over the edge and you you never know what somebody is going through that day and especially now more than ever with the amount of stress and, and heightened emotion and anxiety that every single person is feeling that really needs to be taken into account because it's easy to kind of get trapped behind this phone and not remember that there's somebody on the other side of the screen when you press send or when you're making a post on an account, even if you don't think they're going to see it ever. um, It's just so, so important. And that's a message for both the young people and the adults.
0: That Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix that came out recently, I think was a good example to get us to think a little bit more um, how, how we do. I don't know, because it's taken over the world. Right. I've got a couple more questions, but I want to I want to ask you about this book. Tell me, first of all, why on earth did you write a book? Because I've written a book and it's blooming hard work. <laughs> and uh, number, <laughs> it's a, that the, you don't. If you write a book well, it sounds like it's such a great idea when you start, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, very much so. And then I think,
1: yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Once you realize what it's going to take in order for that book to be birthed, it's like, Oh, okay. Uh, so what, what I did, I lucked out. I was able to find somebody who had editing experience that I hired to interview me for two hours a week for about five months. And the beginning of, of, the time that we started meeting, I told her a list of topics, which ended up being the chapters that formed the the framework of the book. And she came up with a list of questions after each topic that that we discussed that that we would go over. Um, and for me, I'm not somebody who could sit down hours at a time and just type, 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 type or like dictate on my phone and and do one of those, I get so caught up in my head. And that's something I'm trying to move past this, this fear of putting something out that isn't completely out there or isn't perfect. Obviously nothing's ever going to be perfect, but that really caught me up because I almost had this imposter syndrome. Like, who am I? I, I'm this 18 year old kid at the time who's writing a book. Like who's going to be listening to me but then i realized that number 1 age is just a number as i continue to prove and number 2 like i didn't even know how i was saying that because the the speaking that i was doing i had adults literally every time i would get off a stage come up to me in tears saying how incredible and profound and life-changing my 20 minute talk was. And and it literally was just me talking about my story and the way that I see life. And so I realized that and, and I didn't let that kind of trip me up anymore. And thank God I had that editor because without her, I would not have been able to to really get through it and having somebody kind of structure it with me as I went was so beneficial. And so, yeah, I put it out when I was 18 and the goal was not just to share my story, but to share the tools and really the most powerful tips and lessons that I've learned in the journey that I've been through and how it's truly applicable to everybody, no matter what Your challenges are what you're going through, young or old, because like I said, we're all human beings and and we have the same universal feelings that we can all relate to. And so I also don't want to be an inspiration just because I have a form of dwarfism. I don't want to be considered inspiring because I live my life at three foot nine. I want to be considered inspiring because how I choose to live my life with the cards that I've been dealt and how I choose to say, you know what? Yes, I'm living with this. I have these things that I go through and it's incredibly challenging, but what can I do with this? Not only to give myself the greatest life possible, but to empower millions of other people to step into the greatest version of themselves too.
0: Who inspires you?
1: It's honestly a mixture of what I, and and like as cliche as this sounds, what is going on in the world and what continues to go on in terms of the lack of action or the injustice i know what it's like to experience so many of those things and to feel completely invisible and now i want to make sure that i help alleviate that for as many people especially with disabilities and differences as i can but also seeing people like we were talking about before we started, like Nick Vujicic, like the woman who had acid poured on her face and down her throat and had over 300 surgeries. People like that are true heroes because how they decide to live their life and and how they use what they've been given to help so many people. And that's truly what inspires me the most as well, having people that have gone through literally the most in life, the most adversity, the most pain, the most heartbreak. And yet they still rise above it. They still are the the victor instead of the victim. And that's what we always need to be surrounding ourselves with.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Are you dating right now? I'm not. That's something that honestly I've I've definitely always struggled with. Um not necessarily the logistics of it, but more so me being in my head and me thinking, who's going to want me, who's going to want to be with me, uh, that sort of thing, Um, which isn't true. But it's my old story that unfortunately, sometimes still takes over that being a 21 year old, even though I'm as evolved as I am with personal development and what I've gone through and whatnot, I'm still battling that on a daily basis. And it's getting better as I get more mature and older and, and learn new tools on, on how to manage mindset and things like that. But uh, hopefully I'll, I'll have news to report on that front soon. <laughs>
0: I think people listening to this and watching this right now, there's lots of ladies in my audience. I'm sure a few of them will be looking at the handsome devil that you are going, hold on a minute, get me that guy's number. Get me that guy's number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lastly, before I finish, first of all, thank you so much for coming to share your story with me. It's really it's really great. Do you know what? I, this is, I'll talk to you like I talk to my audience. You're incredibly mature. You're frank and honest which is really important you you do have a story and what you are is just such a brilliant example of somebody who has battled suffered climbed got over and who is now at the age of 21 which is still I'm 50 you know you're a kid to me at 21 just grabbing life by the balls and getting on with it and no matter what your disability or not disability anybody has out there you can grab life by the balls and you can just get on with it if you want to and maybe if you just change your story you'll change your outcome do you agree a hundred percent You, it's it's truly a
1: matter of flipping the switch in your mind and through your own perspective i call it shifting the lens that we see the world through because sometimes we have these tinted lenses that often we don't even know we have on that is skewing everything and making things way more negative than they need to be or always jumping to the worst conclusions. But the more that we can practice and train ourselves to not get trapped in that pattern and in that cycle, the more that we master life and just like you said, balls and have absolutely nothing that we feel like holds us back.
0: Good stuff. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. How do people follow you, find you, get a copy of your book? I want everyone to buy a copy of this book. If you're listening to it, you're watching this right now. I'm going to look at the camera over there. Buy this book, all right? So how how do they get hold of the book and how do they follow you on socials?
1: Appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. So my social medias, I hang out the most on Instagram. My last name at Farbstein, F-A-R-B-S-T-E-I-N. Would love to connect on there or Facebook and LinkedIn. My name, Brandon Farbstein as well. And then of course my book, 10 Feet Tall, is available on Amazon, both the Kindle version
0: and paperback excellent stuff. And if you do reach out to Brandon, everybody that's listening to this, do me a favor and just send him a message and just say you, you, uh, you heard him on the podcast and, uh, I'm sure that he'll have a great chat with you. Yeah.
1: would appreciate that so much. Absolutely.
0: Man, everybody make sure you do that. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. What a wonderful young man you are and a fine example. So thank you. I genuinely appreciate it. You take care.
1: Spencer, thank you so much. And I can't wait to meet in Dubai, hopefully soon. Come on.
0: Well, there we go. Another great episode of a really uplifting character. How could somebody be so mature at the age of 21 years old? But you know what? He's been through the battles and the challenges that some people don't even go through in a lifetime. What an absolute pleasure to chat with Brandon, learn about his story. Hopefully he's inspired you, maybe he's got you thinking. And what I would do if I were you is to go ahead and go and buy a copy of his book. It will support him, number one, maybe teach you a thing or two about how you look at your life and what you can achieve. If you have enjoyed this episode, I want more people to see it, so I need your help. I'd love it if you are listening on SoundCloud or Spotify to just go and leave positive comments, let me know what you think of the episode episodes episodes, and but also if you're listening to it on iTunes, then do me a favor, hit a five-star rating. Remember, more people hear about it when these ratings go out. And so I need your help. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Let's get it done. I'll see you next time on the next episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast. So it's always important to mention people that you partner with and partners for the podcast are Najahi Events and Najahi Tribe. Now, Najahi sounds like an unusual word and it is, but it's Arabic for my success. And Najahi have brought some of the world leading public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational leaders across to Dubai over the course of the years. And Dhabi, mind you. And Najahi, I don't know, people like Tony Robbins, ever heard of him? Okay, Nick Vujicic, no arms, no legs, no worries. Lisa Nichols, Prince EA, Jay Shetty, uh, Alicia Keys. And people like this and they bring them in and they run events and from those events we go and we learn from these incredible people on top of that they launched the najahi tribe recently where they have a collective of the world's greatest trainers that literally you can join become a member of take advantage of a training from all of these different people like real experts in their field I've got a sneaky suspicion I might be one of them as well. But anyway, (laughs) hopefully you will go and check them out for me because you enjoy these episodes of the podcast. And remember, it's always team effort and I can't do it without the support of these people. So go check out Najahi Events, N-A-J-A-H-I Events.com. I'll see you soon.